You are listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM, and this is Outspoken. Welcome to your gay two hours. Yes, the gayest two hours of your week. Yeah. Is here. Can I say so? Hopefully I, not. But when our theme song's playing over there, mm-hmm. uh, I was telling a coworker that teaching them what hand dancing is. Oh, yeah. Because if you watch us on Periscope, which you can, we hand dance. We do. I hand dance to like every song because we're sitting in chairs. And yeah, it's I suppose it's we fun. could get up, but you know. And plus, it just it, it doesn't take as much work because you're just moving your hands. <laughs> right, and, it's just, and it doesn't take any technique. It's not like no. you have to take a hand dancing class or whatever. It's, uh, we should give one, though. <laughs> it's it's even no, bad dancers can hand dance. That's true. Anybody That's can hand true. dance. Hashtag hand, hand dance. Hand dance. Yeah, I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it is your Outspoken Boys. We have a good That's show us. today coming up. We have fun. Uh, we have on, as always, once a month, we bring you... Uh, the sex doctor himself, our very own Dr. Damon L. Jacobs. He is a relationship and sex therapist mm-hmm. out of New York City, author of two books, and um, he travels the country yes. and speaks. So he's on today. So we're going to have more questions about relationships, dating, sex. I'm excited for him. Dr. Damon Jacobs. That's that, a thing. It's French. <laughs> it's French. Don't worry about He's it. He's not, but today, today Siri has made Today, today has we decided to him make him Frenchman. French. Anyways, we love it when Damon comes on the show. We always have a really good time. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Also, really sound, good advice. Remember, we like to remind all of you, you can send in questions anytime, and we'll do it on the next show if, we, if you yes. don't get to this show. It's a great way, this man who makes, you know, they make pretty good money in Manhattan doing mm-hmm. relationship therapy and, you know, and sex therapy over there. And you can get advice for free. For free. And if you really want, uh, you can actually submit your question and then call in later and have a discussion uh, uh, with him personally. Yeah. yeah. If you have more questions about, uh, <laughs> you know, your your relationship. Yes. All I, keep, all I can picture in my head is it's a lot like if you go to a therapist and you're lying on the couch and the outspoken boys are just behind watching. Yeah. And all the <laughs> listeners probably, you know. Right, just a like crowd. 100,000 people. <laughs> I wish. I wish 100,000. It's perfect. Perfect. Did you say perfect? I said it. It scared me. Yeah, it's I don't not know. okay. <laughs> I heard that and I was like, Jonathan, did you? What? Yeah, that's not Who a thing. Who are you? That's not a thing. That's, that's, that's um, so we're excited about that. And he's going to be calling in a few minutes. And then we have documentary filmmaker from Vancouver, Bob Christie, in the second hour. He mm-hmm. did this amazing documentary you and I both saw, which is called Beyond Gay, The Politics of Pride. Um, very it's a it's fascinating. Powerful. It is powerful. Yeah, you and I both cried, but I mean yeah. the thing is, we cry at the drop of a pin. We do. Um, we do. You know, you can say okay. one thing, and we're like, oh, if God. it's a really pretty pin, it's even worse. It's just like crazy. <laughs> but that's, that's what that's so, what we do. That's how we roll. But I'm excited for that. That's there's going to be a lot of good conversation in that I interview think so, as well. Mm-hmm. And it it's a good time to start gearing up because our pride, of course, in June, uh, Pride Month is June. Yes, uh, we're just yeah. we're coming at the the middle ground of March. I mean. It's never too soon to start these conversations, and they're important ones to have. I agree. Um, so I agree. I'm excited about that. So, Sir Grankin, what fun things have you done? Sir Grankin, thank I you. I know, um, right? Let's start with we did uh, on Tuesday, went to Nat Geo, National yeah. Geographic Live. Uh, and this one was kind of interesting. Uh, <laughs> where the Wild Things Are is where it was It was called. fun. It was fun. It was. A li- I thought it was just going to be about uh, monkeys, but it was, right. it, they Everything. surprised us. It surprised us. The photographer yeah. who basically goes out and does stories about 
people and animals, yes. like and how they interact and how they sometimes mm-hmm. cross. And it was fascinating. Domesticated animals and, yeah. and uh, animal uh, intelligence, <laughs> intelligent animals, and yeah. and you know, really interesting things. Um, you and, and I were. <laughs> I admit it. We got really silly. Yeah, uh, we're we both laughing. Had, so we both hard. had our our dates with us, and they were just like, "What is going?" Yeah, on? why are they? La- why are they we were laughing so hard. We were crying. I yeah. couldn't breathe. <laughs> and so, and well, then both of yeah. our dates are looking at it like, "What's going?" Oh, on? Yeah. Sim, they're doing it again. Because <laughs> yeah. you put there us in go. a room, we'll laugh about anything. <laughs> first, we awful. learned about kookaburras. Yeah, they're huge. First of all, they're rodents. Yeah, but they're gigantic, and some people have them as pets. Yes, and kookaburras. Yeah, they'll eat. Things that come out of your body, it happens, and so I we're think it's capybaras, but I'm really not sure if know. it's either. I don't know which one it is, to be honest. But you know what? To be you, honest, everybody has heard it somewhere. Yeah. So right, and but they they're are the smart, ones, and they yeah. can open doors. Yeah. <laughs> they can just <laughs> apparently open doors, they can or- open right? doors. So of course Ooh. we're laughing about you know what if you they open the door while you were on the can and <laughs> you know the the situation that that would be. It's just, you know, and they're excited because yeah, you yeah. know. Papa's making treats. <laughs> <laughs> and still, a week later, it's killing me. It just kills me. Uh, we or just, yeah. we learned that chimpanzees <laughs> make good pets, but yes, yeah. only until their eighth birthday. And apparently, right on their eighth... The yeah. guy was so matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> on the eighth birthday, no matter when it is, they were born at four, whatever. Yeah. Eighth at birthday. Yeah. Eighth birthday, they rip your face off. <laughs> they rip your face and, and And I love that he's like, you know what? It's not a maybe they will. No, they will. <laughs> they will. Rip your face And it just happens. <laughs> It yeah. just happened, and so we were uh, laughing because we're like, it. you have to set it, your yeah. alarm, and then you you forget yeah. that it's the birthday, and then you scream, and you're <laughs> trying to burn down the house. <laughs> just, just the monkeys ripping your face off. I love it. And, and the, and the just, deer. What was the deer's name? That Dilly. Was a, Dilly the deer. Apparently, yes. just I I love how he just mentions these things. He's like, yeah, so it lives in your bedroom, pees on a towel, and just, <laughs> just okay. All right, great. And it's this massive deer that's it's gonna huge. It's gonna pee on your towel. And I'm. It is gonna I, okay. happen. I don't like deer. I, I mean, they're fine as animals. I don't like them because they will run in front of you and try and kill you right? by running into your car. Like, they don't know. Like, yeah. Do you not see this big and steel object? Yeah, yeah. right. And yeah. I think they're a little bit scary uh, <laughs> in a weird way. But you know that they can beat you up. They I get know. on their hind legs and they, they can. Just, they and go at you. just think about demon deer. <laughs> I'm right? going to say it. You have nightmares. That's okay. It's true. I did. It's uh, true. So a, a deer in my house peeing on towels is not something I want <laughs> at all. So here's the at thing. All. We love West Coast Entertainment. And it was they, fun, though. They are the ones that bring uh, Nat Geo Live to Spokane down at the convention center. Yeah. Um, this is what's crazy. So this is the fun stuff you can go see. And mm-hmm. what's even better is the guy who is taking all these pictures is actually up there talking to you. Right. It's a lot of In fun. Person, yeah. It's mm-hmm. too much fun. So I honestly I think there's only one more show. It's it is called Sufferfest. That that is not the greatest marketing campaign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's about a a bike thing. It's he a, like yeah, it's a, a it's lot a of bike. miles. Right. It, yeah, he did five hundred miles in yeah. like the desert or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But here's the thing. They're always fascinating. Yeah. The scientists and the and the artists who come and talk to you are amazing. It is a resource that Spokane and only a handful of other cities in the US are ha- that are allowed to have yeah. by Nat Geo. It's a lot of fun. I really suggest you go do it because Sergey and I oh, always we either fun. nerd out or we have such a good time and laugh, and well, we traumatize our yeah, dates. We every do time. right, exactly. We every do time. both. Really, we always have a good time. We always find something to laugh at, yeah. and we always we always learn. That's really important. We always learn, and yes. I come out of that, and I'm 
I have a different perspective on life. And it's a lot of fun. Animals. I like it. And I have to say, yeah. a listener sent us a picture of a woman being attacked by deer. It's a thing. <laughs> he sh- the only thing that should scary. happen is they should have put your face on the woman. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Anyways, go see swap. it, right? Go, a yeah. face swap, which is, I'm sorry, hysterical. Oh, face swaps are yeah. great. Yeah. Because Houston surprises in studio. You know, he does every few every few yeah, weeks. He's, Love he's it. Mm-hmm. Um, he surprises in studio, and he, we were so he was showing us face swapping, so we were doing it earlier. Yeah. I'm sorry. It kills me. It's so... Funny. Yeah, yeah. Also, Houston surprised us with a haircut. Yes. It looks pretty fierce. I'm not gonna not gonna lie. You said the word fierce. I did. Look at you. <laughs> oh. Hey, I have used fierce before. Have you? I've I have. Never, I've, I don't hear it very often. <laughs> I it's love a, like, in it's your a pleasant mind, surprise. In your mind, I am like 800 years old. And <laughs> <laughs> You're not. That's Kurt. Yes, that's true. So I'm only 400. (laughs) So we're good. We're good. But no, Houston came in looking good. So ladies, if you're listening, the Houston is in the house and he's looking good. He's ready for you. The Tilster. Yes. I don't know why. His last name's Tilly. So Tilster. And all I have to say is Houston, if you... So Kurt was trying to apologize for us to Houston. I'm like, no, no, no. No, Houston's been around a while now. (laughs) He's just stuck with it. He's just stuck with the crazy. He's here. But if he ever takes dating advice from us, I'm not sure that's smart, Houston. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. Yeah. We're going to give it, though. Know, yeah. We are going to give it, but you <laughs> maybe need to second proceed. Guess those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, pr- proceed at your own risk. Right. Something else that we, we did. Yeah. And I love, listeners hate it when I say this because they all think that I am like a troll living in a cave. And it might be sort of true. Um, but you and I yeah. had a clean day. Like you were we so did. cool, and you're like Jonathan. I'm in. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. You. You said, "Hey, my apartment is beyond repair," and I'm like, "That's not true. Right. We're gonna go clean it." And we decided that uh, on Friday. Yeah. Uh, you know, both of us got off work. Yeah. And we just took to cleaning for about seven. And this eight is hours. not regular cleaning. This was deep cleaning. De- this was like, like spring work. cleaning like to the pr- max. Getting yeah. things out of the cabinets, wiping like, it down. Exactly. Like taking things out of the fridge, and you right. know, if you get out the fridge and you clean the fridge, that's deep deep cleaning it is especially mm-hmm. when it's my fridge oh oh yeah two th- mm-hmm. some things we've learned first of all <laughs> no, so the pans that are under your your uh, the heating elements on your stove right we took them out we needed to clean them they were pretty dark yeah they're the stainless steel ones or yeah. whatever you yeah. know they mm-hmm. get they can burn stuff on them very easily right. so we went and got a two liter bottle of coke yes coca-cola mm-hmm. and we poured it and we soaked them and it was crazy yeah it went from dark to shiny steel yes it- Coca-Cola as a cleaning product, I tell you. And I would just like I just would just like all of us just take a moment and think about Coca-Cola is stripping things Mm -hmm. off, uh, like cleaning it, like making things. What is it doing in your stomach? (laughs) Yeah. And to the lining of your intestines. I'm thinking it's probably should Coca-Cola missed where they should market it, which is as a very strong cleaning product. Yeah. Maybe take the sugar out though. Yeah. But it does make everything smell sweet. I was like, oh, this is pleasant. Right. It's pleasant. So that was fun. We did almost burn the apartment down. Uh, At one point. Yeah. Is that a candle? We didn't like that. (laughs) The the air looked hazy. Yeah. And there was a smell of of a candle that had been blown out. Turns out it was the dishwasher overheating or something because we ran it too much. And we had a plastic Mm -hmm. thing on the bottom, Mm -hmm. you know, the bottom rung. Yeah. And so it had, that was the burning wax smell. Yeah. Yeah. So So it was scary for a mm -hmm. minute. We like moved everything out. I was unplugging 
everything. I've had yeah. an apartment fire in my past, yeah. and I yeah. was so terrified that because and it was an electric fire, so I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, We're everything, plugging everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm like we throwing also... Roscoe outside. Just whatever. Yeah. It could be anything. <laughs> Bye, Roscoe. Get right. out. Save yourself. Uh, we also learned that you have uh, unofficially grown a lot of life forms in <laughs> your apartment, in your fridge. It's true. Uh, I am an kitchen. environmentalist at heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's interesting. So I it, think you're resistant to a lot more b- bacteria strains right? now because it, it you might be why I can do so much and yeah. you know not die. Right? You know, <laughs> you're it. Superman. I am. So much really, Superman. you're welcome for your own mess. So see, we we entertain ourselves a lot <laughs> during yeah. the week. I mean, yeah. this is this is what the outspoken boys do. Also, one other thing, um, we released pictures of the Red Ribbon Gala. Yes, there's we did. Uh, quite yeah. a few pictures of us. So if you want to go see those, you can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com/outspokesmen. Um, it's fun just to see. Somebody said they we looked astonishingly uh, like charming? dapper. Yeah, yeah, charming something. In other words, they were so shocked. Because <laughs> we've never looked that way before. Apparently. No, she's a really great. She's one of our fans. She writes in a lot. But um, it was funny good though. Pictures. I yeah, like they yeah. came out it pretty well. We looked good in te- Texas. In Texas. In Texas. In Texas. We looked good in Texas. Well, no. and then we ran. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we no, realized where we were, and we jumped Texas, on the plane. Get out of here! Yeah. I know. I know. But uh, in just a minute here. We are going to bring on our favorite sex doctor. Do we want to take a song break before yeah, we do, do that? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, let's take a song break and listen to uh, Breathe Life by Jack Garrett. Uh, he released an album in the last month, and I've been kind of obsessed with the song, so we're going to listen to it. Welcome back to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM, and this is Outspoken. And we are about to talk to Outspoken's very own sex and relationship therapist, Dr. L. Jamins, author Dr. of... Who? <laughs> Dr. Who? Dr. L. Jacobs. Damon L. <laughs> Dr. Damon L. Jacobs. I have... I just love the know. way you said it. I Sorry, know. I had to call this you This is uh, a rough time for me. Uh, re- <laughs> author of Relational Relating and Absolutely Should List. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> welcome, Damon it Jacobs. Is, it's a hot mess. Are you ready for this, Damon? I am so ready. <laughs> I, I think the daylight savings time has made you guys a little punchy today. You know, I, I think so. I think you're, you're right, because right, I actually was very angry at my alarm this morning. <laughs> very angry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just couldn't... Uh, couldn't wake up in peace. Well, here's the thing. We have so many people that get so excited when you're coming on the show. And I have to say, uh, we get surprised by an intern of ours who who visits us. Well, he's a past intern. Yeah. And he surprised Come us around. this morning and didn't realize that you were on the show. And he's even excited. So thank you so much. Ooh. I know. I'm happy to hear that. Right. I'm happy. Very happy to hear that. One clarification, though. I'm not a doctor. I'm yes. a licensed marriage family therapist. Legally, exactly. I have to correct you. It is a, uh, a legal ethical issue. That, <laughs> Actually, uh, very I'm not a doctor by any stretch. Very but smart. Yeah. Therapist. You're uh, uh, your outspoken's uh, alleged doctor. That's not really one. Well, that's therapist. Right. That's <laughs> how you go. Alleged. <laughs> He's an alleged doctor, but not really. No. Okay. So, <laughs> it's not like a Dolly Parton in Straight Talk. You know, who yeah, that, called herself a doctor <laughs> when she really wasn't. Ex- and right. for it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I already loved you, and now that you referenced. Two of my favorite things, Dolly Parton and Straight Talk. Now you are like the king of all. Beautiful. <laughs> Love it. It's a great movie. It oh my is. God. I, mean, I highly recommend anyone, if they haven't already seen it, if they're looking for a date night, Straight Talk, Dolly exactly. Parton. Exactly. Can't miss it. And I want to tell so many people to get off the cross. Somebody else needs the wood. So there we go. Okay. <laughs> great. <laughs> Let's jump 
right in with questions that we have from our listeners that uh, would like your thoughts and advice um, for their their relationships. So we're going to jump to question one right away. Sure. Do, do you think it is a sign of incompatibility if two people move at different speeds? If one wants to take it a bit slow while one is already thinking about moving in or marriage? Uh, I definitely have no intention of leaving, but I'm just not ready to jump to the next level yet. Okay, well, what a great question, and what a, what a historically new question, right? Right. Not, you know, I've been a therapist for nearly 20 years, and these kinds of questions are coming up now, but there was never really a time in history where we could even ask these questions. Yeah, it was never even an option. option. Yeah. Right. With that being said, you know, I, I think a lot, and I've spoken with you boys a lot about values and how each and every single one of us goes into the world and goes into relationships with a certain set of values that we have, a certain set of, of meaning and importance that we give different issues. And for a lot of people, marriage, partly because it was never an option before, or even for those who have been an option, it may not be that important, or it might not be that much of a, a heavily, heavily uh, valued, important thing. I can say for myself, I don't think for myself, marriage is an important value. I can't really see a purpose to it unless there's a legal or medical or financial reason to do so. But I respect and understand that there's a lot of people who find marriage and the sanctity and the spirituality of marriage to be really important. And so I don't think that makes two people incompatible. I just think oftentimes, as we have talked about in previous sessions together, that sometimes two people in a loving relationship might have some different values. And when that's the case, this is where communication, compassion, responsibility, and compromise come mm-hmm. in handy. And True. these are all outlined in my book, Rational Relating. Um, exactly. It's like, how do you negotiate when you love someone, but they might have some very different values, and they want to get married, and you mm-hmm. don't? Mm-hmm. Well, that's okay. There's ways to negotiate that. There's ways to work through that. And, um, but it really takes patience and compassion and really listening to one another in order to go through that. And do you think, you know, you talk to us a lot about this, you know, like you were just saying, and the importance of communication in a relationship. Do you think because now uh, it almost seems like we have a broader, we have broader options as uh, people in the LGBT community when it comes to relationships that we're kind of having to to get better at this communication thing because it's this whole new horizon? Well, I think exactly when it comes to marriage, because we didn't have that choice, there was no reason to communicate about that in the past, but now that's an option. So it's really important people communicate with integrity. And when I say integrity, what I mean is that your actions reflect your values. So if you don't find marriage to be a big deal, and it's not a real high priority for you, then you're just honest about that. Mm -hmm. And then it's a question, let's say it's really important to one person, but it's not really important to the other. This is where I would look into where is that person, is that person on what we call the stages of change continuum? Is he dead set against marriage? Like, no way, no how, no never, I will not do it, no way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if that's the case, it's really important to communicate that right away Mm -hmm. for someone who really wants to get married. Right. But it's a matter of just saying, well, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. It feels kind of soon. I'm not sure about marriage. I'm not against it, but I'm not necessarily for it. But can we just proceed and go forward and see how this works in terms of being compatible and Mm -hmm. loving each other and trusting Mm -hmm. one another? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, 
we can explore the marriage issue later, then I think that's a fair request. Exactly. So basically, this listener, if they're listening, it's uh, you're saying, listen, it doesn't mean you're completely incompatible and there's no hope for this relationship, but it does mean it's probably going to need to be uh, an opportunity for communication and a conversation. Yeah. And that's the only way I could see this being incompatible is if it becomes what we call the deal breakers. Right. If one person is like, absolutely, I will only be in a relationship where marriage is an option or not. And the other person is like, no way am I getting married. Forget it. Then you have two deal breakers right there. And it's pretty clear. You may not be compatible. Right. You're not going to get what you want. One of you is going to be upset. You're probably both going to be upset and frustrated. Maybe this is the time to leave it as friends. Sure, sure. But if there's room, if there's flexibility, if there's room for negotiation and compromise and communication, then I don't think they're incompatible at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, then, you know, the relationships take this work that you need to put into it, you know, the compassion, the talking about it. Uh, I've actually recently started reading uh, your book, Rational Relation, uh, Relations, and uh, that's, you know, that's what I've learned from it so far is that it takes that effort and you have to put in time uh, and energy into being, you know, compassionate and having, you know, those compromises. So I think that's 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 a good answer. Now, moving on from that. Uh, This next uh, listener says, my boyfriend and I get along amazingly well. I have so much fun with him and we share share so much. But sexually, we are both tops. As they say, two tops don't make a bottom and two tops are never uh, and two bottoms are never a top. Uh, And sex isn't all of a relationship, but it is an important part. If neither of us are willing to go verse, what can we do to satisfy each other in a sec? Wow. Okay. You know, I can, I don't know the age of this person, but I can bet you that this is probably somebody asking this under the age 30. The reason I'm, I'm, the reason I'm saying that is because when I came out in the eighties, anal sex was not always on the menu. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were all terrified of getting AIDS back then. Mm -hmm. And when it came to the word sex, that was kind of an umbrella term that could encompass so many different things. It could encompass oral sex. It could encompass mutual masturbation. It mm-hmm. could encompass um, sucking, touching, loving, um, dry humping, portage. There were so many things that sort of fell under the uh, term sex, and anal sex was only one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, thank God we're not living in a time where we're so afraid that sex is going to automatically lead to death. Right. And so that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But Mm -hmm. I think one of the consequences of that is now when people talk about sex and they're talking about negotiating sex, they're generally referring to a position in anal sex. Mm -hmm. And I think this question is a great reflection of that. It's like, okay, we're both tops. What do we do? Right. Well, there's a lot of things you can do that would make sex enjoyable and pleasurable for both of you. Again, oral, touching, massage, dry mm-hmm. humping, um, uh, fleshlights. Um, right. There's so many things. And, of course, I'm always on the side of, if you two are mutually agreeable to this, mm-hmm. in your area, get online, find yourself a bottom. Right. If that's something you want to do and something you feel comfortable doing and you all have agreements about safer sex and, and HIV prevention, and, mm-hmm. you know, find yourself a bottom because, you know, I can tell you in most areas, the, the top-to-bottom ratio is pretty uh, slim. There's a lot right. more bottoms for tops out there. Right. So I'm sure these two tops want to find a really grateful bottom in their area that would like to play <laughs> with both of them. I'm sure they would have no problem I doing should, that. Yeah, yeah. Right. 
And right. and honestly, I even think it doesn't even matter how small your community is. There is always you are always going to find that opportunity if that is something you both think w- would would help you out. I did think something's uh, fascinated by the question in that they seem so. Um, and when they say the sentence about neither of us are willing to go verse, do you think? I mean, obviously, we're not talking to that person. We don't understand. But the first thing that tells me is, wait, are you not willing to be to negotiate anything? It seems such. It seems like absolutes are always scary to me because it it offers no chance of of any possibility outside of that. Do you think some of us have that that problem as well that we're absolutely this and we're not willing, we're rigid and we're not willing to even you know contemplate change? I agree. I mean, I think when we're looking at, especially about sexuality, but any part of a relationship where we're getting into all or nothing, like the last question, mm-hmm. you know, it's like we're getting into deal breakers. Okay, well, we all do have deal breakers, and that's, that's we all want to have limits. But when you have a lot of deal breakers, mm-hmm. and when you have a lot of sexual deal breakers, a lot of all or nothing, you're kind of setting yourself up to get nothing. So if you're right. setting up all or nothing, mm-hmm. you're right. more time going to end up with nothing. And now at the same time, I don't believe in pressuring anybody, and I know you're not saying this, so right. I just want to make this clear, though. Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't want to bottom, or they're right. not comfortable, or it's just something they don't like, mm-hmm. then by all means, no one is expected to do something they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. I think it's best for people to consider the spectrum of pleasure that's available to them as a top or a bottom. Mm-hmm. But if someone, let's just say, maybe these guys have tried it. Maybe they both tried it. Maybe they both hate it. Maybe they're just really, they can't find a way to be comfortable or enjoy it. Sure. Okay, then that's fine. That's right. okay. You can be exclusively a top. Like we said, there's plenty of bottoms out there that would right. be thrilled to play <laughs> with two exclusive tops. Right. Um, but I think in general, rigid and inflexible, um, all or nothing statements in relationships, whether sexually or emotionally, they often do end up in heartache and tragedy. Sure. Yeah. Well, how do you how do you start that conversation of, you know, we, we're talking about maybe you can open your horizons a bit. How do you start a loving, compassionate conversation with someone saying, hey, I know you've said no to this, but do you think maybe we can try it uh, and see what happens? How do you think that or how should that go in a relationship? Uh, well, let's see, I don't believe in should. So let's start with that. Oh, right. Yes. Because <laughs> there's no should, especially about this. But you mean like. Are you asking for two people about just the two of them? Or yeah, yeah. In a relationship, how do they have that conversation uh, to say, hey, we, you know, I, I feel this way or we both feel this way. How do we, you know, expand our horizons? How do you approach someone with that idea? Well, I would approach it in a way at a time when you're both calm, when you're both sober, when you're both loving, when there's not a lot of time pressures um, and you're not fighting about something else that's right. going on. And to consider bringing it up in the form of a question, like, okay, I know you're a top. Have you ever thought about bottoming? Have you ever tried bottoming? Would you be willing to try bottoming with me? Um, Tell me about your experiences with bottoming. And, you know, let's just say we go forward with that. Maybe the person might say, you know, I'm really uncomfortable, but I'm willing to try it with you. I'm willing to try it. And yeah, let's, let's try it. Or they might say, no, I've tried it. I hate it. I don't like it. It's not my thing. Right. Okay. So then the next question might be, all right, so would you ever consider getting a third person here to play together? Mm -hmm. And if so, can we set up some boundaries and some negotiations and and go forward with that with our integrity and love for each other? How do we invite a third person to come in and and play with us? Right. See, those are conversations, you know, uh, 
especially coming up with the way uh, Sergey and I have been brought up, those are conversations that sound so open and amazing. Uh, and I think the the fear is in the approach. <laughs> Right, because mm-hmm. we've never experienced. Yeah. But we need to learn that in relationships, well, it's that's what it is. Taught. It's a yeah. team mm-hmm. working together to figure out mm-hmm. how you both go forward mutually beneficial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. some some key points. Thank you for mentioning that. Because I think some key points to having this kind of conversation that that's sort of fraught with potential emotional uh, landmines. And mm-hmm. you know, anytime we talk about sex, especially anal sex. Mm-hmm. We're creating the possibility that somebody might get overwhelmed with shame and guilt and right. fear. So we want to try to minimize that or avoid that. And a great way to do that is just continue to use I statements. Mm-hmm. I would like to top you, right. uh, not you should bottom for me, or right. why won't okay. you bottom for me. Okay. Not those questions, but yeah. I would really be interested in sharing this experience with you. Would you be interested in trying to have that experience with me? Gotcha. Okay. I know, I like so it. it comes from yeah. the heart. It comes from right. respect. And it comes right. from a place of knowing you may not get what you want. And if you don't, yeah. that's okay. Yes. You're still going to be loving together. You're still right. compatible. You mm-hmm. can still have a wonderful future. There are plenty of couples that are both exclusive tops, and there's plenty of couples that are exclusive bottoms, too. Right. And they make it work because it's loving, because however they choose to pleasure each other, whether it's just the two of them or with a third person, all decisions are made with integrity, with compassion, with love, with respect, and lots of communication and negotiation along the way. Yeah, and that, as we learn, is key, communication. Okay, so moving on to the next question here. Uh, uh, this uh, listener is saying, Recently, I decided to become more sexually active to let my hair down and have fun. I've never had a slut phase. I figured it was time, and I was excited. But after a few hookups, my libido took a dive, and so did my erections. I have not had this problem before, and it came so suddenly that I went on uh, that I went to my doctor. My doctor says that he thinks it may be psychological. I'm at a loss. I didn't feel trauma. I just wanted to get laid. But the doctor did some tests and still feels he is right. Help. Okay. <laughs> wow. So here we have someone who, on one level, seems to be giving himself permission mm-hmm. to be a, what he calls a slut, and I actually like that word too. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's giving himself permission to be a slut, to be sexually free, to have experiences with multiple partners. And then once he did, the libido took a dive, his erections took a dive, and there's no... He was very smart to, to begin with his doctor to find out if there's a medical reason. And it appears that there's not. So then what comes next? My first question would be, okay, any drugs or alcohol involved? Um, you know, are you using alcohol or drugs when you go out or when you're cruise partners because those can interfere with our ability to get, to get or sustain erections? Mm-hmm. Uh, assuming that's not the case, you know, this is a very interesting, interesting phenomenon that's happening for, for quite a few gay men. It's not being talked about very much. Um, you guys know I, I do a lot of education around pre-exposure yes. prophylaxis. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Uh-huh. And PrEP is the daily medicine that protects uh, from HIV, and mm-hmm. for a lot of gay men who have begun using PrEP, they feel incredibly liberated that, mm-hmm. for many of us, this is the first time in our lives, in our adult lives, that we haven't been afraid of getting HIV. But right. yeah. the flip side is, for a lot of gay men, it's sort of pushing these, um, bringing up these issues that haven't really been dealt with through the years, issues around survivor's guilt, issues around what it means to be a sexually active person, Issues around shame and fear that we have been taught, you know, and that earlier fear of death that goes with sex that those Mm -hmm. of us in the 80s experienced pretty traumatically. 
And what happens when we no longer have those external fears, the body doesn't always catch up so quickly. The body's still responding like, oh, God, wait a second, something bad's going to happen. If I have sex with this person or I enjoy sex with multiple partners, something bad, something catastrophic must be happening. Because it's just like I can't wrap my mind, my unconscious mind can't wrap Mm -hmm. its mind around the fact that sex can be purely for pleasure without some punitive consequence. Right. And I'm seeing that a lot with people who are beginning to use PrEP now, and I suspect and wonder if that's going on with the the person who asked this question. Mm -hmm. If he has, I don't know his age, so I don't know when he came out, and I don't know what his experience as far as HIV and trauma, but I do wonder if some earlier fears or earlier traumas are coming up now that he has consciously given himself some permission and freedom that the unconscious traumas are surfacing. Right. What do you think? It's not, so this is fascinating, and I, I like that you bring up that it's happening more and we're not having these conversations because also I feel like this group of men also then must feel they have that on top of it, which is they feel probably very isolated. Because we're not talking about it, they don't realize they're not alone and that this is something that's actually going on. But I think it's fascinating. I don't know why. Why would the doctor jump so quickly to, I think it's psychological? Do you think he's, do you see something as a professional in there that would trigger that? What would trigger the doctor to think, hey, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is, is a psychological issue? Well, okay. I make, you're right. You're totally right. Because I'm making an assumption. And my assumption here is that when he says he went to his doctor and then the doctor said it might be psychological, what mm-hmm. I'm assuming, perhaps incorrectly, is that there was a series of tests done. That right. the doctor went ahead and well, did a physical it, and made sure that there was not a medical reason. Yeah, sure. and it does say the doctor uh, did some tests and still feels he is right. Right. Yeah. That's usually what happens, but not always. So mm-hmm. you're right. That is an assumption I'm making, and it may not be correct. Um, that would be pretty unethical for a doctor, a medical doctor, who has a patient coming in with certain um, symptoms and mm-hmm. loss of erection, right. um, to just assume that that's a psychological issue without actually drawing their blood and seeing if there's right. a medical reason. And there can right. be a lot of medical reasons why we might yeah. have erection yeah. problems. Right. Um, so that would be fairly unethical. If that's the case, I really encourage this person to get a different doctor. <laughs> right, get a Someone second opinion, to do a comprehensive maybe. physical exam so, and make sure that there's no medical reasons why right. there might be difficulty exactly. um, getting or keeping an erection. Well, but let's go with the... Usually, when this has been mm-hmm. reported to me, it's usually after the doctor has done a comprehensive physical sure. exam, right. which most people right. on PrEP get anyway. Right. So let's assume that uh, the the doctor's right, and it is this psychological issue, and like you said, it, it's kind of a new phenomenon right now. What, to this listener, what then is his plan? What's his next step with this? Well, if he can, if he's able to, I'd say to work with a sex-affirmative therapist in his area, to find someone, a therapist, who might be able to help him become more clear and make known what's unknown right now, what previous beliefs or perspectives or traumas might be interfering with his ability to experience pleasure now. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I wonder if maybe he's jumping into the deep end of the pool a little too quickly, <laughs> that instead of uh, if he's not been, if he's spent a lot of time not being a slut, again, using his mm-hmm. terminology, mm-hmm. and suddenly he's trying to be a slut, he may not be ready for that. He might want to start slow. Gotcha. He might want to have an encounter or, or maybe have one partner. It doesn't have to be a boyfriend, but think right. about maybe having a friend with benefits, somebody he knows, somebody he trusts. 
um, to begin to just experiment with and see, okay, can I keep an erection when it's this person? Right. Um, or are there certain activities? You know, the, the last question we had was about topping, and some people do have very strict ideas about certain pleasurable activities, and I wonder if this person's erection is being lost when it comes to anal sex, or are there mm-hmm. other activities mm-hmm. that he enjoys where he can keep an erection and experience pleasure from that? Um, but to experiment and try this out, he just may not be completely ready to be this completely free sexual person who's like running around having sex with the whole town. Right. That might, he might have to work up to that. Right. And again, right. if he's going to do that, prep. Please consider yes, prep, prep. Because if he's right. on prep, he's going to continue to get this medical attention as well. Well, sure, and I have sure. a feeling, uh, if this is a, a new phenomenon coming up, I have a feeling we're probably going to see more questions regarding that, and I'm excited to let it be more of a conversation so people don't feel well, I think we need isolated to mm-hmm. in these things. Because I, I feel like we get a lot of shame in sex because we isolate ourselves and, and we, we let ourselves internalize the shame of whatever we've gone through or, or our upbringing, and that's why these conversations are so important. Well, I would imagine this is an incredibly frustrating problem or issue to face you know, without any warning, just all of a sudden, you know, right. you're trying to be so open and then all of a sudden, wait, I'm doing all the things right or, you know, yeah. all the things I want to and it's not working. And it's that amazing yeah. thing that we talk about, which is why we do the show, which is sex positivity, which mm-hmm. is allowing ourselves to get to know our bodies and what we enjoy and not put all of the shoulds and the those, those constraints on it and just get to know what is okay for us and what we find enjoyable. As we've talked many times, uh, so many of us do not allow ourselves pleasure or to actually accept the pleasure that our body can give us. Yeah. Right. And, and we don't know if this person is able to experience pleasure and erections when he's by himself. Right. Can he masturbate? Can he enjoy that? Does he is he able to give himself pleasure, or is it right. only when he's right. with another person yeah. that he's having trouble, or is it just all around? Like he sure. just doesn't his sure. drive just completely dipped. Exactly. Um, we don't know that that's information that's not there. Hmm. Uh, but I agree with you guys. You know, and especially this kind of gets back to the marriage question we had earlier. Again, I'm really glad we have marriage equality. That's a wonderful thing. Right. But with marriage equality. I have seen we now have a whole new level of should in our right. culture. Right. You know, it's like you're a good gay if you're either uh, getting married or trying to get married. Right. And it's sort of like this 1950s uh, female, you know, uh, mentality that women were given. You know, yeah. you should be looking for a husband. And if you have sex for pleasure without marriage, you're a slut. Right. Right. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so somebody, if they hold those beliefs and they're kind of attached to those beliefs, they might have trouble feeling good and feeling empowered and getting erections and keeping erections when mm-hmm. they're sexually active with multiple partners. Exactly. But it's not insurmountable. And again, this is where I think a therapist can come in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this person might want to talk to their doctor about um, an erection, uh, an erectile dysfunction medicine as well. Right. You know, I, I, that would not be the first course of action I would go for. Right. But I do think that if this person is, is going through some sort of suffering and losing his confidence, that can often help somebody get back their confidence. Again, barring out any medical reasons this is happening. But right. there's there's pills that help with that. Yeah. And I'm exactly. not, again, you know, again, with their doctor, if they agree that that's the right course of action, great. Exactly. I think that's an important conversation right there. Okay, so let's get to... The final question, and then I have a bonus 
question we're, we're going to talk to oh, before we wow. let you go uh, get some of your expertise on. But first of all, uh, we have a listener writing in that says, After fights in my relationship, I can't seem to calm down even after we seem to resolve it. It can be on my mind for weeks still. Doesn't matter how small or large the fight is, why can't I let it go? Wow. Okay. Well, my short version is because this person is attached to shoulds. Mm. And, and this is actually why I wrote the book Absolutely Shouldless, because usually when we are angry and we hold on to anger days and weeks and months, years later, even after the person's not even in the room or gone, it's almost always because in our mind we're attaching to some sort of rigid or inflexible idea about what other people should be doing and how they should be doing it, what they should be thinking, feeling, doing, saying, expressing. Um, And when it's a rigid and inflexible should, we cling to it for our dear lives and have a very difficult time letting go of it. If this person actually wants to let go of it, um, I would encourage them to, well, yeah, there's actually, aside from my own work, there's a wonderful book called Loving What Is by Mm -hmm. Byron Katie. Again, that's Loving What Is by Byron Katie, and she gives you a wonderful framework for how to judge everybody in your life, but then begin to let go of those judgments. And it's a really beautiful exercise that she helps uh, lead people in, and she has a lot of online material that's free. But you've got to be willing. It's not one thing to just say, yeah, 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 you know, I wish I wasn't so angry. You need to be willing to let go of your should. You need to be humble enough to say, I don't know how things should be. I don't know what my partner should have said or done the other night. Um, I am willing not to be angry. It may not change all the anger, but I am willing, honestly, sincerely willing not to be right about this. Uh, Byron Katie is the person who came up with the line that I use a lot. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Yes. Sometimes you got to choose. So true. And if you're hanging on to being right, you sometimes are going to be pretty unhappy. Yeah. Wow. And I had to learn that in my relationships, and let me tell you, it's better to just learn that now because it's a painful lesson if you do it while <laughs> while being the guy that has to be right. So that's beautiful. Yeah. I do want to remember. I, I do want to remind listeners that if you are just tuning in, we are talking to Damon L. Jacobs. He is a sex and relationship therapist out of New York. He's also the author of Rational Relating and the book Absolutely Shouldless. And you can get those uh, at your bookstore. You can go to Amazon.com. But uh, worth a read. Sergey's reading right now, and then he's giving it to me because I want to read it uh, for Rational Relating. <laughs> cool. But I will. Uh, I want to throw in a bonus thing because we had a listener who just wrote in, and I meant to write down to ask you, you who travel the country and you you speak about prep a lot, I'm currently on prep, you know, we talk about it on the show. One of the things that everybody freaked out about uh, in the last few weeks was that um, person who, who contracted HIV while they are taking, um, taking prep and it's been reported that he was on it consistently and then this comes out where he ended up contracting HIV and everybody's freaking out. So many people are trying to erase all of the studies that have said good things about prep. Can we get you as an expert, your take on that whole crazy situation? Absolutely. I'm so glad you're asking about that because it has created a lot of confusion. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. This person, this, this gentleman in Toronto, Canada, oh, that's um, a, appeared to contract HIV while adhering to PrEP. And there's actually like, dread blood, uh, sorry, dry blood spotting, which shows that yes. 
he was pretty adherent with his medication. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that mean for those of us that are using PrEP? What does that actually mean? Now that we know this can happen, how likely is it to happen? Right. In mm-hmm. order to answer that, let's just be really clear. First of all, he contracted HIV from an individual who had a strain of HIV that is so rare. Yes. It's estimated about 0.04% of individuals living with HIV have this type of resistance that this individual had. Mm-hmm. So not only would you have to be, meet one of these individuals, but you'd also have to encounter them with a detectable viral load. Right. And that is also extremely rare in this day and age for a person living with HIV not to be uh, not to have their viral load suppressed by medication. Exactly. So clearly now, this answered the question that we had medically. Could this happen? Yes, it could. And yes. it did. Mm-hmm. Is it likely to happen again? You know, it doesn't seem so. I mean, I'm not a doctor, and I can't tell you. I'm not a John Warwick psychic friend. I can't tell you what's <laughs> going to happen. But what I can tell you is that of at least 60,000 people in the world who have been using PrEP or have used PrEP at some point in the last five mm-hmm. years, it's never happened before. Right. It hasn't been seen. It hasn't been documented. This has never happened before. Right. This is unprecedented. This is why it's getting so much media attention. Exactly. It's because it has never happened before. Doctors and researchers have always said that PrEP prevents HIV by 99%. It is not 100%. Exactly. Right. So it is 99% effective, and and this new case does nothing to change our understanding about that. Exactly. I I always ask doctors, you know, when you're prescribing meds to your patients, how how often can you say to your patient, this is 99% effective? Exactly. Very rarely. Very few drugs, very few medications actually are 99% effective. But Trivada still is. Mm -hmm. And that's unusual. And that's rare, but it is not 100% effective. And we never said it was. Exactly. And I think that, that when it first came out, you know, I saw all of the the panic stories that were happening and the, the news media definitely picked up the panic vibe. And then I swear it was like two days in, they finally, a doctor wrote an article that was saying, listen, out of tens of thousands of people who are on this medication and who have been on this medication, we're talking about one case. We don't ignore the one case, but the fact is, look at this and stop freaking out. You know, because like you said, and I find that fascinating in that it's easier to panic than it is to go, okay, I'm going to breathe and look at this logically. Because so many people were like wanting to throw, you know, for lack of a better phrase, throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, but that's not, no, the drug still does what it's supposed to do. And this was one circumstance. And that's what I think we need to focus on, you know, that overall we're still the 99%. There are still the 99%. But someone right, has... and for those that are freaking out, I, I respect them, but I also say, you know, how many of you have driven in a car in the last month? How many Americans sure. are killed yeah. every day in car crashes? Yeah. Approximately 93, according to the Department of Transportation. Mm-hmm. And that's just the ones that are killed. That doesn't even count the ones who are injured in car right. accidents. We mitigate risk every day of our lives. When I cross yeah. the street in Manhattan, I am far more at risk for being struck by a car mm-hmm. or a taxi than I am of getting HIV while I'm using PrEP. Exactly. And so when we leave the house, we mitigate risk. When you get in your car, when you cross the street, if you take any prescription medicine, especially if it's a painkiller or an opiate, mm-hmm. you are mitigating risk because that is the number one killer of Americans every day. Yeah. Opiate. Mm-hmm. And then I ask you guys, you know, the U.S. government says that every December, 15,000 Americans are injured by doing a common practice. Every year during the month of December, 15,000 Americans. Do you know what that is? Is it shoveling snow? Christmas decorations. Are you serious? 
hanging Christmas decorations, wow. either hanging them or um, the Christmas lights exploding yeah. or faulty electrical wiring, wow. causing fires, burning, maiming, people falling off ladders. Every December, about 15,000 Americans are severely injured in the process of engaging in pleasure of Christmas decorations. And yet we do it anyway. And yet yeah. we celebrate it anyway. Yeah. So we're talking about one person in the world out of approximately 60,000 who right. became HIV positive while using PrEP consistently. Exactly. For me, that's not going to be a deal breaker. No. That's not going to re-spark my fears of, of HIV. Right. Um, it is definitely a situation that I'm glad that was reported. I'm not glad right. it happened, but I'm really glad right. we know about it. I'm glad we're talking mm -hmm. about it. But it certainly doesn't change my decisions or my behavior in any exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to throw off 99% protection because, you know, I just, I, and I'll be honest, I, you know, I went to my doctor, she brought it up to me and I said, you know, and she wasn't trying to get me off of PrEP at that time, but it was that she wants to have this conversation, which I appreciated that my doctor knew and that that was a conversation. But for me, an educated choice is I'd rather have it than not. Well, and we also need to understand yeah. that even condoms aren't, you know, 99% effective. Right. They also have, you know, a failure rate and we still use those and we don't throw those out the window as fast as, you know, some people were ready to With when prep. this, yeah, when this, when this news came out. Exactly. Right. Condoms, I mean, I don't want to compare because it's really not fair to compare condoms and PrEP. Yeah. And I think whatever works for you works for you. And some mm -hmm. people, both of them work. But condoms are estimated at about 80% effective for preventing HIV. And the right. reason it's about, we don't really know exactly what, because it's impossible to do a study on this. Right. But the only two studies that were ever done found it was about 80% effective in preventing HIV transmission. Yeah. Oh, and wow. You know, you don't have any way of measuring that. You have no trial, you have no study where you can actually measure condom use. With Travada is PrEP, you have dry blood spotting. Mm -hmm. You can do accurate measurements to see how well this thing works. And right. from day one, we have said that if you use it consistently, seven days a week, it's 99% effective, not 100%. Right. See, and that's amazing. And I want to say thank you to the listener who wrote in that question. And I think it's been on a lot of uh, a lot of people's minds. And I'm so glad that um, you who, who travel the country talk about PrEP. I think it's very helpful that you uh, uh, spoke to that, that question. So thank you so much for doing that. It's my pleasure. I'm really glad you asked. I'm glad we, we keep talking about this. I just ask people, just lead with the facts, not fear. Ooh, yes. We're going to have yep. fear, but bring yep. it back to the facts. Exactly. And that's where your decisions can come from, are the facts, not right. the fear. Not to put, I'm going to use that uh, that statement later when we talk about politics. I'm just going to say, just so all right. Yeah. <laughs> lead Fact with the facts, here. people. Lead mm -hmm. with the facts. Mm -hmm. Well, Damon Jacobs, we are thrilled that you spent yet more time with the Outspoken Boys. I know our listeners love to hear what you have to say. Um, so thank you so much yet again. We look forward to your next visit with us. I look forward to it too, guys. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, Great our pleasure. Oh, always. Have always. a wonderful Sunday. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. And if you tuned in, who was that? That was Damon L. Jacobs. I actually said it right that time. You did. Uh, and, and I wasn't a jerk in pointing that out. I know. Anything, you so. were kind of a jerk about it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. Uh, yeah. And that was good. I, we learned a lot. I, I enjoyed lot. that. First of all, I always love the question. And Second I love all, that you asked the question glad about prep. He asked. Well, thanks to our listener, Josh, who, who reminded me that that article did come out. Right. It's something that all of us are talking about. In our more conservative communities, we're not talking about it enough. Oh, yeah. Because we're letting the fear well, be what we're not even it. talking about prep here. So, no. you know, it's exactly. we need to talk about all the aspects of it. And, mm -hmm. you know, 
You're right. It is, you know, it is a conversation that yeah. we need to have. But more. like, just to reiterate, tens of thousands of people across the world and more countries every day are mm-hmm. allowing it. Are on prep. One case, unfortunate case, happened, but one in tens of thousands. Yeah, tells you there's a reason. There's a one percent margin there in the ninety nine percent effective. And it happened. And like he said, it's a very rare strain. If you read any of the articles, it's extremely rare uh, strain of HIV that this this person had. So right. anyways, right. it's better to be safe anyways. And this drug isn't not, it's it's working. It didn't like all of a sudden prove that it doesn't exactly. work. Exactly. It's it not is that it's working, a faulty drug. So it's important that we keep, it's the only way in Washington state we're going to reach Jay Inslee's uh, end know. AIDS 2020. Yeah. Goal. yeah. So we have to do the things that protect us. And you know what? I think we can get there. I, I think we can. I think uh, so too. So let's keep doing prep and, um, you know, HIV prevention. Yes. Let's take a song now, uh, a song break now. And Houston's going to play a song that, uh, we, you know, asked him to play. We just threw him a list. We just said, like, hey, hey, Houston, make music pick happen. songs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is, uh, going to be New York Groove by Hello. You are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane 88.1 and 92.3 FM, and this is Outspoken. <laughs> that was uh, beautiful. Did you like that? That I, was. I like that, how you're changing it up. Hey, hey I'm trying to. You guys, uh, <laughs> tell me tell me how you like us to say it. Right. And um, Really fast. We'll just try it. to no. change it every time. Every time. Really yeah, maybe Next time I want the high voice that you, you do. You want the high voice? Yeah. A little Mickey Mouse voice? Because it's hysterical. And yeah. You do it when you don't. And it's like you are always shocked that that came out of I, you. I, I, like you didn't know that was I what didn't was happening. Know. I didn't. I didn't know. Yeah. I love that so much. You know, sometimes um, you sit around and you're like, hey, I wonder how uh, high or low I can make my voice. I Right? Yeah. I do too. Without helium. In the car. Yeah. Without, without chemical. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, we don't want performance enhancing drugs. Just pure. <laughs> Helium vocal performance, modification performance enhancing drug. <laughs> uh, I I love that. It's so much. Fun. Uh, this is our favorite part of the show. It uh, is that where we get to thank all of the people who support us. And we love uh, you. we love them so much. So here we go. Outspoken receives support from Nine Bar and Bistro, featuring a full bar, food menu, and trivia on Thursday nights. Located at two three two West Sprague Avenue. More information is available at 509-747-1621. Outspoken receives support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Spokane, serving the community with a non-dogmatic religious environment, welcoming all people, regardless of race, sexual orientation, gender identity, or physical ability. Information online at uuspokane.org or 509-325-6383. Outspoken is funded in part by the Pride Foundation. For more information, visit pridefoundation.org. Outspoken receives support from Mediterrano Restaurant, Mediterranean-inspired cuisine featuring fresh Mediterranean, Persian, and Northwest ingredients, serving lunch and dinner daily and brunch every Sunday. Located in downtown Spokane at 19 West Main Avenue. More information at 309-3116. Outspoken receives support from the Northwest Fair Housing Alliance, a local nonprofit that provides education, counseling, and advocacy to help eliminate housing discrimination and ensure equal housing opportunity. Information available at 1-800-200-FAIR and online at nwfairhouse.org. So as actors, the one of the worst things actors that we don't enjoy, and I would say pretty much across the board actors don't enjoy it, is cold readings. And I feel I like every it. week we do em. cold readings. Well, here's the thing. That's a you new made, one. You made, though, the new, the new Housing Alliance. You made them sound like superheroes. <laughs> Did Fair I? Housing Alliance. Hey, the, you know what? Let <laughs> hey, me do I liked thing. it. I liked it. Um, I think every time we do those, we have to just, because we can't change hey, the words. FCC no. doesn't allow us to change the words. We have to verbatim it. But I think... 
We, yes, it's all about verbataming it. it verbataming it. Right? Verbatim I think it. we deliver it in different ways each time. So you can't Every change t- the yeah. words, but we can change the delivery. Hey, there you go. This is how we have fun. Hey, we can practice cold reading. Yeah, there you go. You, the thing about cold reading is it's only cold the one time. After that, it starts heating up because, you know, you, a it little goes bit, in your memory. But you, yeah. You, it's familiar to you. And right, I know. Yeah. See, as, as That someone, was cold reading for you, though, because you've true. never read that's true. The Fair Housing And Alliance. I'll have to say, I did a good job. I have a hard time. I, I did. No, you I didn't. have a hard. <laughs> I have a hard time with cold reads and uh, you know reading out loud in general because right. uh, being bilingual. It's not your first language. I even though I'm I, I'm very fluent in English, so right. for some reason reading out loud specifically just is is weird for Interesting. me. Interesting. Yeah. See, I do find it fascinating because you have mentioned before that even though you've grown up most of your life in the U.S. and you and like you said, you're very fluent in English. Yeah. Your brain still has this this transferring of words sometimes sometimes it, yeah. and it's very odd so i have to i have to take my time and you know but it's okay <laughs> it's all right you're welcome we give you yeah. the insights into the boys yeah the one time you made me cold read uh th- the one announcement i'm not supposed to say that we don't again. ever let we you never do. let me do uh because not even if, if if i had read it beforehand i would have messed it well, up but cold reading was awful and and it's hard uh, enough because you have words like Mediterranean, Mediterranean. I mean, you uh, yeah. that's not Mediterranean. easy. Mediterranean. Mediter- yeah. yeah, and you would, yeah, it was very interesting. That's why yeah. it's only been once. You know what? Go back I to think, our yeah. iTunes page and see if you can find the first show Sergey read that on. We'll give you a poster or something if you figure which show it was and tell us. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you a prize. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, we had a wonderful first hour as we talked to our very own sex therapist, Damon L. Jacobs, and uh, get, had him give us advice on the the new situation that happened with PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis. So that was a lot of fun. But guess what? The boys don't stop. I've been very much looking forward to this interview. It touched... Oh, me too, yeah. Uh, the, the documentary we, we saw touched each of us mm-hmm. in such a deep way, I think we were both kind of surprised. So I'm very excited for this. Bob Christie is a Vancouver filmmaker, activist, and scholar who explores the intersections of documentary, cinema, entertainment, and social justice. With his award-winning and very moving documentary, Beyond Gay, The Politics of Pride, he turns a light on our own queer community and explores the concept of pride for celebration and pride for social justice. It is with great pleasure that we welcome Bob Christie to the program. Bob, are you there? I am here. Welcome Hi. on a sun, a nice Sunday. We're glad you took time from relaxing on a Sunday to be with the boys on Outspoken. Well, I'm on set actually today, but oh. uh, okay. it's nice to be relaxing having this interview. <laughs> <laughs> no rest for the weary. You know, no there. No. <laughs> so let's start with since you're on set, it's a perfect question. Let's start with why filmmaking, and more specifically, why the interest in documentary style work. Yeah. Well. Um, as you alluded to in my intro, like I think that you know, film uh, and television are basically our most popular mediums, but they don't get used. They get used for entertainment, but not so much for you know changing the world as, mm-hmm. as effectively as I mm-hmm. think they could be. So, yeah, that's my that's my thing is to try and make documentaries that engage us on a you know on an emotional level, but uh, motivate us to act up a little bit. Yeah, and what a great medium, like you said, one of the most popular to do that with. Uh, so what made you want to make Beyond Gay uh, the documentary? I was um, had volunteered a little bit for the Pride Society in Vancouver, and right. uh, I was kind of, I actually had a bit of a transformative moment one year while I was doing that. I 
had volunteered to be the liaison because I had worked in the film industry between the police department uh, and the Pride Society organizer. And uh, we were just like, I just had to like talk to the cops and make sure that everybody was off the street before the parade started. And when we walked down the street that day, before the parade even started, and the crowd just went nuts, and there was all these people that like ran up and just like shook the cop's hand and like mm-hmm. were incredibly moved just by the fact that you know there was a that there was police there to protect them, not to oppress them. Right. And wow. uh, yeah, it just kind of changed my whole perspective about the whole event, and and I realized there was so much more going on than just the normal you know conversation about is it too corporate or is it not too right. corporate or you know that and and the infighting of like oh the party should be bigger or you sure, know sure. Right. the parade route should be longer or yeah. whatever and it's like no there's a lot of bigger issues happening here that we can explore so that's what we went out to do yeah and i have to say you know you highlight like you say you go to these different countries you really highlight that some places don't actually have the luxury of those questions that you just mentioned that we have to corporate or you know how big's the party um you fly to relatively i mean you flew to relatively dangerous countries like sri lanka uh, russia and even to a certain degree poland what precautions did you even know you might need to take in going to those countries? What was your mental state flying into those countries, knowing it, you don't know what to expect? What was that like? Uh, well, yeah, it was, Russia was hands down the scariest thing I've ever done in my life, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, we were, it's, the order that things happened was a little different uh, than it played out in the film, so... We actually went to Russia ahead of going to Warsaw. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it was just really, I mean, it was just really terrifying. It's uh, Russia, I think, and not just because of what we were doing. There's just, like, such a huge military presence on the street and, mm-hmm. like, yeah. secret yeah. service everywhere that you can kind of see. So when you're doing things, and Nikolai, the guy that we were liaising with, who's the organizer of Pride in Moscow, mm-hmm. is well known to police and like followed by them, and you know his phone is tapped and all these kind of things. So they really, you know, they were very cautious about you know us being there, and we were very fortunate that he led us into his circle because that particular year he was being very cautious about who, uh, you know, who he was letting know what was going on. Right. But because we had met him at two previous events and and had been with him just the week prior in Sao Paulo. Um, Yeah. yeah. We were on his radar. Well, Uh, it was... We also were being looked after by the Canadian Embassy a little bit. Thank goodness. It was like straight out of an espionage spy film with the, you know, for that part in Moscow, uh, you know, the the cell phones and that you can't really know where the location is. And if you go here, you have to say you're there for a yeah, birthday party. rendezvousing with people. Yeah, it was yeah. very mm-hmm. much, I think we think that's just in the movies, but you guys actually saw the reality of what that is. That is very real. And, you know, I remember distinctly uh, saying to the, uh, one of the people that led us from the train station where we got off the subway, to where they were going to stage the protest. I'm like, this is insane. Like, this is, you know, like, I'm, and, and he's like, oh, you think so? It's kind of normal for us. <laughs> it's just, they live, they live with that every day. Right. And, um, they, it's, you know, just a, a way of life in a way. And it's, it's, it's really shocking. It really is. 
and scary for sure. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. d- the pride outside, uh, you know, our Western pride is so different. And you experience that, uh, you know, uh, the Russians have to go through so much just to walk down uh, half a block. Uh, you know, what did you have any idea what it would be like outside, you know, the boundaries of Western pride? Well, we did. And, and th- that goes back to your earlier question is what inspired me to make this film was we had... Uh, you know, this friend of mine that had been on the Pride Society board in Vancouver had met Tomas Barkowski from uh, Warsaw at the um, Interpride conference the year previous, and and Nikolai as well from Moscow. And so, uh, but Thomas had brought us uh, some of that footage that I use in the film of the Prides in Eastern Europe. And so that was basically the tool that I used to shop around to um, raise money for the film. And, you know, we hear about places like, you know, the Middle East and Africa where, you know, uh, gay rights are, there aren't any such thing. But, you know, we don't think about it in in Eastern European countries so much. So I think that was really surprising for me and really surprising for a lot of people that saw that. You don't think of Europe as being that uh, oppressive and and anti-gay as it actually is. And, uh, so yeah, that was that's what got me going. You know, and that's what's amazing uh, because it's also an eye opener for those of us uh, over here who we have some uh, obviously some high measure of, of privilege to see your film. Now, your specific award winning documentary came out in two thousand nine, but honestly, when we were watching, it still feels very relevant. Now, when you mentioned Africa and Middle Eastern countries, there's still like death penalties for homosexuality. These crazy uh, laws about like rape as a way to cure homosexuality. Do you, in talking to these people over there, is there anything you can tell our listeners? Uh, things that maybe they can do to help our brothers and sisters in countries that are still it's still a fight. Yeah, it's it's tough. There is only so much I think we can do from over here. Um, there are. Um, prides that uh, are looking for people to go to them all the time. You know, they had Euro Pride in Riga, Latvia this year, oh, wow. or sorry, last summer, um, and it was a really big deal for them to be hosting it there. It was similar to what you know, uh, what the effect of like what you see in Warsaw. There, it's like right. just yeah. newly legal sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, really, when you hear about a big event like that going on in one of these places where it's, um, you know, still controversial, right? Uh, there is power in numbers, and just your visibility on the street is important sure. if you can sure. afford to do that. But just being in contact with those people, you know, social media has, you know, been a huge asset for that. And, and they say over and over again, just knowing that you're there is right. is comfort. But, you know, short of, you know age-old saying, you know, donations and things like that. Um, Just your virtual presence and your real presence does make a huge difference in a lot of situations. Sure. Support is amazing what it does for the human spirit. You know, so while watching this documentary, uh, I felt a fire inside, uh, you know, that hasn't, that I haven't felt for a while. Living in the United States in a relatively uh, liberal part of the country, uh, you know, it, it's easy to take it either for granted or to get comfortable with having rights. Uh, but coming out as a gay man in an exclusively uh, an extremely conservative uh, Russian family and community, 
Uh, I knew that my coming out had to be big and make an impact. Uh, and so I couldn't be quiet. So I made a decision for myself back then that I would be loud and, you know, make a difference. And this documentary uh, started that fire over for me again. So what, you know, taking that into consideration, what do you think is the importance of starting conversations in our current community where we do have say, uh, same-sex marriage? Uh, and, you know, what do you think the importance of activists are in these countries that do have equal rights? Well, um, yeah, that's a great question because we do take a lot, you know, a lot for granted. And, mm -hmm. and in Canada, we do as well. And I think it's um, important that we're always, you know, looking forward and remembering that those the rights that we have didn't just get handed to us on a platter. You know, people fought for those rights for many, many years. And and um, and even when you have them at, at a legal level, um, you know, it still takes time for society to come along and, you know, attitudes to change in the public sphere. So being mm -hmm. out and being visible, that's the, you know, Harvey Milk, uh, big mantra was you have to come out and visibility is a lot of it. And it's, you know, um, just speaking up when you need to speak up and, and uh, yeah, I don't See, know. And on, on that aspect, do you think as an artist, uh, like musicians or as yourself a filmmaker, do you think then that we have a responsibility to challenge and change culture and society for the better? Do you think that's part? We ask it a lot with a lot of the artists we come on here. Do you think that we should all, as entertainers, uh, have some sort of responsibility in us to make social change? I think everybody, not just artists, has, has a responsibility to make the world a better place. Right. I think it falls on the shoulders of artists a lot of times because uh, we use, you know, different forms of, of communication to, to connect with people. And, and that's what art is, is magical for and, right. and, and works well at doing. So, sure, um, I, I, whether we have a responsibility, uh, I don't think, you know, it should be placed on artists any any more so than it's placed on every individual. Right. Mm. But I think it's important that we all, you know, take time to to improve things. You it's, know, it's uh, a human thing. It, yeah, exactly. You know, it was really so. Warsaw was a really, really interesting place, and I think of all the places in that are featured in the film. For me, it was the most moving okay. uh, because it really felt in that place that you were making change. And what was even more exciting was we went back two years later when they hosted Europride in 2010. And wow. the difference we saw when the rest of Europe came and supported that Pride event. <laughs> right. I mean, when we filmed there, it was only the second time it was legal and it was still a big deal for the police. I mean, we were surrounded by 2,000 military police. Wow. And in a way, yeah. it, it was even scarier there than it was in Moscow because the... Uh, crowds protesting us were yeah. larger, yeah. and we—it's uh, not in the film, but you know, we actually got jumped in Moscow shortly after oh. the violent scene that that was caught on camera. So we had been punched in the head and you know Ooh, chased yeah. away. So you know, it was it was real in our in our blood when we by the time we got to Warsaw. So, uh, but to see the change that happened in just two short years was really remarkable, and and those places where where that visibility and and the other thing that's interesting is a lot of the people that were marching in warsaw and a lot of these sort of burgeoning pride places are not necessarily queer people it's allies 
right. that sure. have brothers or sisters sure. or family or whatever, that they're out there supporting because they understand that, you know, it's rights for all. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's fascinating in those places where it's, it's not as developed and not as, right. you know, taken mm-hmm. for granted. Mm-hmm. Well, as a documentary filmmaker, you get to go to these places and, you know, see these experiences and you tell the story of, you know, us, the people, uh, and they can be really impactful even to the viewers. As you move on to other projects, do the stories ever really, you know, truly leave? And how do you deal with that and the impact of those stories on you? Hmm. Yeah. Some days it feels like there's just so much to do, but, you know... I feel change happening all the time and it's getting better. Uh, I think especially in America, you've seen huge, you know, steps forward in the last, you know, few years, which is, has been really rewarding. And, uh, and, and in Canada too, I mean, we had this thing where in Canada, homosexuality was decriminalized across Canada in 1969. Mm -hmm. And it was also tied in with women's rights and, women's access to birth control and those sorts of things. So mm-hmm. um, I think that was a real cultural, sh- you know, sh- shift in shaping mechanism in Canada. Mm-hmm. That And plus, we're such a smaller population as right. well, so it's easier to, you know, change minds and have, you know, 30 million people as it is to change 300 million. Right. So uh, we've enjoyed that uh you know, a little more, I think, earlier, but there's still always work to be done. But, I, you know, things are changing, and people are learning every day, and, and it is about just being out and being visible. And with all the new media, uh, I think, you know, queerness is not such a such an oddity anymore, and people are more accustomed to it, and, and they're willing to to jump in and learn and accept and, and, and you know, make the world a better place. Exactly. Now, you know, we've been talking about all of these amazing people. And one of the the gentlemen, the gentleman from Sri Lanka's Equal Ground, watching him be in the parade in, I believe it was Canada, and seeing him filter that kind of parade through his knowledge of what he knew and watching him cry was an awakening experience to so many of us to remember how lucky we are. Do you know how people like Nikolai and um, the young man from Sri Lanka, do you know how they're doing today or where, you know, what it's like for them right now? Yeah. Um, so the gentleman from Sri Lanka's name is Saran, and uh, he's actually living in the UK now, but uh, his colleague uh, Rosanna is still in Sri Lanka running equal ground. Nice. And... Um, She's still fighting a good fight. I saw her at uh, World Pride in Toronto summer before last. Um, Nikolai is still um, as controversial as ever. (laughs) Um, You know, he's not uh, unanimously adored in in Russia as, you know, a freedom fighter. Uh, Many queer people in Russia feel that, you know, he's just an attention getter and by staging prides, he's, um, you know, just drawing unwanted attention to the community and bringing violence upon them. Okay. Um, but, you know, everybody has their own form of activism and exactly. their own form of, of radical activism, as it were. So, uh, you know, that's 
for different different strokes for different folks. Exactly. But he's still um, he's still uh, fighting all the time. He was uh, kidnapped after oh, <laughs> the yeah. film uh, and held in, uh, by the police for a few days. He's had a you know it's his life is is truly you know what we can't even fathom. Right. I think. Yeah. He does wow. live part time in wow. in. Um, Elsewhere in Europe, in right. Brussels, I think. So. To keep a sanity, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. To maybe relax yeah. a bit. How, That's got to be a, terrifying. Wow. So, tell... Yeah, it's... It, Go ahead. It's un, unreal. Like, he was, like, literally... It took him, like, 45 minutes to dodge his tails on the morning of Pride that day oh. so that he could organize getting us going. Unbelievable. It takes wow. that level, though, of courage, you know, to do it because just watching it was was terrifying, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Now, tell so Sarah and I have talked a lot about uh, seeing this documentary, um, Beyond Gay: The Politics of Pride, how impactful it was to us. Is this, is there a place for listeners that they can go buy the film or where they can can view this film still, even though it's been out for a few years? Is there a place they can go? Yeah, it's on iTunes. Perfect. And um, I think it's available on Hulu in America. Nice. Okay. And okay. maybe through Amazon.com. Okay. It's hard for me to check exactly what's going on because, you know, different access in different places. Right. But right. for sure you can get it on iTunes. Okay. And where can people see more of your work? Um. Well, that's a tricky question. It's, in, it's all in the works. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Well, you yeah. did a documentary, did I hear, on your family, The Royal Eight, I want to say is what it was called. I, I did, yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't that long ago. So you obviously are still out there working, telling the stories of people. Is that what you're doing right now? You, you, you alluded to being on set. Well... No, today I'm earning a living. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we understand how that goes. Yeah. Gay, do- gay documentary filmmaking is not usually <laughs> profitable. <Yeah>. <laughs> so today I'm oh, making yeah. a vacuum yeah. cleaner commercial. Perfect. I was yeah. going to say way um, before. Yeah, much yeah. less glamorous. Well, but, um, <laughs> Uh, even less glamorous than uh, gay documentaries, if you sure. can imagine. <laughs> but yeah, um, with the same budget, I think, that I have <laughs> mine, but for 30 seconds. Hey, but, you, uh, you, are you, a know, kindred, you are a kindred spirit to us because we know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, have we yeah. have day jobs to do the important work that we do on Sundays. So exactly. I, w- I have to yeah. say, I know that you got a lot of your start in uh, in commercials anyways. And you know what? Any of us doing this work, we totally support making sure that you can make a living so that you can continue to do the work that you're doing. Because exactly. neither exactly. of us can thank you enough. That documentary... Um, it just, like Sergey said, it it ignited that fire again to remember why twenty years ago I started to fight, um, and so well, your work is important. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, I mean that's really, uh, you know, was my motivation was to like inspire, you know, remotivate those of us that uh, have have enjoyed Pride and, and to uh, to inspire people in other places of of where they can take their events. 
Exactly. That's perfect. And, well, and that's what we need. We hate to keep you away any longer from, from your commercials, uh, from making a <laughs> living, but it has been a joy to talk to you. Thank you for taking time to be on Outspoken today. And we want to remind our listeners to be, please go to Amazon, anywhere you can find the documentary Beyond Gay, The Politics of Pride, uh, and support those doing the good fight out there using art to, to do that. So thank you, Bob Christie, for taking time today. You're very welcome. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was Bob Christie. Like I said, he is a filmmaker um, of all kinds. Of all kinds. And he's out there. This documentary Mm -hmm. is truly inspirational it really is yeah it uh it'll pull on your heartstrings oh, and will. uh you know make you an activist all over again and even if, if you're if not you, already yeah if you aren't a crier i don't care we may cry mm-hmm. easily but you'll it'll still happen you'll miss oh, yeah. up at least yeah yeah it'll, it'll happen so let's take a quick break let's do it let's take a song break and we're gonna listen to ready for you by hunter hunted you are back with KYRS, Pinnacle X, Spokane, 84.1 Okay. That was awesome. <laughs> How do you like that? How do you like that? <laughs> I don't think that's a higher than your normal high voice. That would. I went a little high. I yeah. liked it. Hey, it was you good. know what? We'll, uh, we'll, tr- we'll try it again next time. And I know. See what, see what we happens. never know. It's something different every time. This yeah. has been a really fun show. It we, has. First it has. hour, we had on our sex therapist himself, Damon L. Jacobs. Great conversations there. Yeah. Your questions answered. Remember, you can email producer at hotmesssunday.com. Anytime it, we, it's about once a month, we have uh, Damon Jacobson. You can send those those questions in at any time about your relationship. You can be gay, straight, whatever. That's true. Uh, he'll take true. them. Uh, send them there at any time, and we will ask them the next time we're on the air. You can remain anonymous. Just let us know. You would like that if you... Don't want us to use your name. And if you want a live call in with Damon on the air, we can arrange that as well. But you have to let us know you need it. So those are great things. Then we just got off the phone with Bob Christie, Mm -hmm. uh, documentary filmmaker. Great documentary. Who is amazing. Amazing. Go check out Beyond Gay, the the Politics of Pride. Yeah. Um, it's uh, pretty amazing. You know, he talked about uh, Russia being the scariest place he's ever went to. Right. Uh, you know what? I agree with him. I was going to say, what do you think about Here's that? The th- yeah. And, and they went there to film Pride. Uh, very much a vulnerable thing to do when you go mm-hmm. to Russia. Uh, but going to Russia in any case, just to visit family is a scary thing in and of itself. Uh, the few times uh, that I've been there in Ukraine. Uh, it's 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 an interesting place, very different and definitely very scary. Yeah. Not even because the military presence, but because the entire uh, society is very uh, angry and careless about other people's lives. It's scary. Times. Well, even the footage they showed in there right. was it, yeah, and the fact just terrifying that they were you know beat up after yeah, and the there filming. was they were even filmed. We got some footage of a of one of the activists who was yep. on the news being jumped by a guy in the crowd and then other people joining in. Uh, And I remember just hearing the one guy scream, get him, get him. And not to draw some parallels, but that sort of feels like that's how the Chicago Trump rally and the Kansas uh, Trump rally was this past weekend. Yes. (laughs) Friday and Saturday night. And there was a lot of yelling of get get them, get him. And um, it's scary. So when I look look at things like this, where people are fighting for important, important things, um, things that are very scary. And then I see the craziness of our political process. And although our politics is important, the 
what happened this weekend is ridiculous. It is pretty um, ridiculous. And let's be honest, I agree with some of the opponents of Trump saying yeah, yeah. he has created this atmosphere. Uh, he is partially to blame. Of course, he won't take responsibility, especially because he no, tends, tends to egg on his supporters yeah. uh, uh, during those situations. But anyways, watching a, uh, a documentary like this, sorry, uh, I learned that yeah. in Russia... It started, um, Nikolai did something a few years back where him and a friend went to take flowers um, to the gra- the, tomb the tomb of the unknown mm-hmm. soldier yeah. at, as part of them starting, yeah, you know, they were gay men. Yeah, they were gay men, they were going to do that. And that got scary and didn't go well. And he no. has built upon that. And so he does well, keep doing these things. Exactly. And, you know, they talk in the documentary, which I found fascinating, uh, of progress because they say this yeah. year... I was let go, and the homophobes were, you know, detained. Detained. Uh, whereas last year, I was detained. And they were let go. So right. it's weird to see that that's their measure of progress. I was is just going to say the wrong people didn't go to jail. Right. And and we all know wow, that yeah. since two thousand nine, that has reversed again. Right. So you know, exactly. but it is amazing the level what they what their measuring stick is. Um, and like he said, the guy is followed by the the Russian yep. police all the time uh, to watch oh, yeah. them on the day of Pride have to change cell phones and secret messages. They were all, uh, everybody from this group was at an outdoor cafe, but they weren't allowed to say hi to each other. They couldn't show that they even knew each other. Um, it was it, yeah, it was all, all very such hush, hush. a scary. Yeah. I will say one of the things, they were in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and there was the mm-hmm. gigantic pride parade. And what I love that they did at that pride parade is the very last float is empty. All that's playing is music. And mm-hmm. they did it to represent those who have left us yeah. through AIDS or, or other uh, gay people who, you know, or other things, attacks in countries. Yeah. And those who are still fighting, they created a an empty float. And I think, I that's, mean, that just gives me chills. Beautiful. Yeah. Just to, to talk know, about You know, in that. Vancouver, they do their moment of silence. In yes. In Sao Paulo, yeah. they do the empty float. It's, we do I need to remember that. we need that. to do those yeah. things. Yeah, we need to remember the people who have left, uh, who have fought for us, and now we're not here because without them, uh, we would not be here. Listen, we've talked about it the we last two here. years, yep. what we think, how we think pride is important, but we wish there was an aspect of pride, especially in Spokane, where we have to be. There are moments, yeah. opportunities of education of where we've come from. And we've talked yes, about, we brought yes. a movie to town last year. We brought HBO Pictures, The Normal Heart to town. Mm-hmm. And it was a week before pride to start that that conversation. Um and we talked about maybe having, uh, you know, different themed events like poetry slams or art uh, installations or art shows about our history and where we've come from. Mm-hmm. Because the question that a lot of people are asking is there is a huge corporatization of pride events. We yep. need sponsors because they allow us to put on events. But have we gone and some people think we've gone too far and can't come back. Is there a way to still bring in an aspect of why well, we're doing it? We should still celebrate. We should, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think I think finding a balance is key, is finding a balance between celebrating and knowing that it's still about the fight in a right. lot of places. Because how can we, like, what did he say that we could do for our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka, yeah. in, in Poland, in Russia? He said support is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. So find them on Facebook and send them a message of support. Exactly. If you have money, exactly. donate to the cause. Um, so I think it's okay. 
and sponsors are okay too. We yes. like you said, we need the money and the exposure mm-hmm. a lot of the times. So as long as we don't, I mean, I don't think we're selling out Pride by any means. No, but sponsors are a good thing. Sponsors happen everywhere. The Super Bowls, yes. the Grammys, it, you know, all these things. It's all in balance. It is a balance. It yeah. really is. Because I think we do need a moment in our in our Pride parades that we remember to support those where it's so scary. Look yeah. in Sri Lanka, they think rape is going to save. These they do. people, they and do. it's going to make them straight magically. These kinds of things are curative horrific. Rape. Mm-hmm. Curative rape. Yeah. These things are horrific. These things going you know, on. Something that uh, I thought about as soon as I watched this documentary, and it's part of the, you know, the fire reigniting, but, uh, you know, there are times, like you said, you in Spokane, we're here, and there are times in Spokane where. Uh, you're in a in a place where you know, like the valley, where they mm-hmm. had a, a KKK canvassing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a year ago, and you know there are places where you don't really feel as comfortable or as safe as a gay man. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? After watching this documentary, uh, all those places, anywhere I am in Spokane, anywhere I am in Idaho, and anywhere, it's it, you know that fear goes away because I know that even here, I am. S- 10 times safer than anyone yes, you know yeah. in Russia in Sri Lanka even mm-hmm. in Poland because those people can and will get attacked go to jail mm-hmm. and you know they they can lose their life for that there are and people the out likelihood. there and here all we have to do is just be proud of ourselves and yeah. maybe have an uncomfortable conversation yeah. hear some bad word i can handle that yeah i'm going to do that exactly and you know it, that cuz that, the luxury that's our like thing. we talked about the luxury of the questions we have about yeah. our pride parades they don't have the luxury in other right. countries to ask those questions. Of, exactly. Is it too exactly. corporate? That's not on their mind. Right. Because there's there, because in the documentary, they also talk about the difference between a pride parade mm-hmm. and a march. Yeah. You know, and right. these places right. are having marches to stand up and say they are telling their government to recognize them. We are lucky and I'm grateful that we can party and that we can dance in the streets on pride mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. i just don't want us to forget why i do want to invite anybody who let's say you have an opinion about this you are always welcome to join the conversation with um with outspoken so all you have to do is give us a call um 509-747-3807 yeah you, you i was trying it. to right yeah so you can call us we're more than willing to talk to you we're more than willing to get yours do you think how do you think spokane's pride is how do you think yeah. your pride is maybe yeah. you're not listening from spokane uh do you think we've become too corporatized um and do you think we need to remember you know Siri and i push yeah. this Let's have some history in our pride. And other people are like, that's so boring. But what's your, I mean, everybody's opinion is valid, you know, in its own way. I mean, ours is right. No, of course. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's just how it goes. You're going to have right. to know that, you know, in the end no, of the day. No, but I right. am interested in hearing <laughs> other people's opinions. Yes. And, I, you know, I think it, we do push education here, especially during pride. I think that's very key and important. Uh, not to take away from any celebrating, because no. we do have the right to celebrate. Well, we've we earned should. that as well. We've earned that, yeah. Just like when if, We have let's conversations say... about marriage now. That's amazing. Yeah. Our entire country has marriage equality. That's something we should celebrate for. Exactly. That's amazing. Well, let's say next year, all of a sudden, a miracle happens in Sri Lanka is this welcoming place for gay people. They have earned every right to dance in the streets, to do. celebrate in any way that they, yeah. they are able to. So, yeah, there's no taking away no taking the away. right. But, you know, celebrating feels even sweeter when you understand why mm-hmm. you have the right to celebrate. Exactly. And some of us don't exactly. don't remember or don't know the stories that we need to be telling. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I and I mean, yeah. And I mean, how many uh, people under the age of, you know, m- in the millennial age, under the age of 30, 
uh, really broad-based, but we don't get taught that in schools. That is the thing. We didn't live through it, so we don't know about it exactly. because we don't get taught. We, you know, It's not pu- public or common knowledge. Uh, and a lot of the times, even movies that are produced like that are underexposed or incorrect and very uh, not proportionate. Two so, excellent, excellent know, observations, right. sir. So we need to push that. We need to know our history. Uh, when people say, who was Harvey Milk or what was Stonewall? Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, that irks me a little bit mm-hmm. because it's you know it's something we really do need to know. There's a, y- Without those things, without these people, without Stonewall, these rights, you would not be celebrating Pride. No. You would not be allowed to get married right now. None. Would not even come close. Yeah. And even in the documentary, they uh, highlight a g- the gentleman who created the rainbow flag. That was really um, cool. You know, because yeah. we don't talk about those things like you said. And if you're in Texas school system, you're never you basically gay oh, people yeah. don't never, exist. Never. Mm-hmm. But no, we don't. Ha- we're not part of history. We had for so many decades been removed from history mm-hmm. and not talked about in our schools. So why do we expect? So unless you you know, took an interest or you, you made some older gay friends, why would a gay right. man or a young well, lesbian or a long transgender individual know anything about the history of the movement? Exactly. Well, I think, you know, s- schools need to take responsibility for this. I and agree. I think they need to introduce not just a history class that mentions, uh, you know, a civil rights movement. I think they have to have a civil rights class that talks about, you know, starting with the feminist mo- movement, yes. you know, women's rights, mm-hmm. uh, women's suffrage, going on into African-American rights, the civil rights movement, 1965, yes. uh, you know, MLK, that fits right in, and then move into LGBT rights. Why Harvey is it Milk. Harvey yeah. Milk, exactly. When you talk about stone, we need to talk about these things because it's all about civil rights. And you know yeah. what? I think if we start investing in educating uh, starting from, you know, the school system, mm-hmm. 20, 30 years from now, we will probably solve, you know, gender discriminating pay. We'll right. probably solve a lot of racial issues. We'll right. probably solve a lot of homophobia. Exactly. Because remember, as we say time and again, and uh, so many amazing activists have said in so much more eloquent words, mm-hmm. if there is, if anyone is created or is considered not equal, then no one is equal. No one. And that's the problem. You know, that's what's going on. Yeah, I think that's amazing. So let's uh, take a last uh, song break. And then when we come back, we're going to uh, we're going to wrap up real quick and uh, sign off. But if you do have any questions, uh, if you want to contribute to the conversation, feel free to call us during this song break and we can catch up with you briefly after the song. Uh, This is going to be my hair. uh, uh, No, this is actually going to be Trouble by Ryan Adams. Well back, we'll come out with Malcolm's plan. Okay, you know how we were talking about how we always what sometimes we get in trouble? I think we're gonna do it. Yeah. But it's brilliant. You Can know we, what? I, I think, think we, we should. need to cut it out yeah. and put it on like it should be our normal. It, it should. <laughs> we should do it in a different different I way love every it. time. I, that one was I'm a little scary that. though. That one was because that song was a bit depressing and it's a raining bit. outside. A and bit. It's really dark and we had just read two horrible headlines which is 16 killed in a massacre in Ivory coast and 37 killed in a car bomb in turkey what is wrong with this so i thought what is wrong with people you know what it's a depressing time depressing voice yeah what is is. going on today what is it's and i and the sad thing is it's not just today (laughs) that's true it's going on yeah what's 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 wrong with today and you know, we finally get reported. You know what? Be kind to someone today. How about can you let's give a little love out in the 
Show me some love. Right? So hug a neighbor, pay for their coffee, do whatever. Hug a Just neighbor. do something. You know what's weird? You and I kind of had a little conversation uh, after after cleaning and during we did. dinner. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. We don't interact mm. with neighbors. We no. kind of have lost touch with that. Why don't we say hi to neighbors, bake them cookies, and then you know go over and be like, hey, I'm your neighbor? Because what's the first thought that goes into your head? I'm like, I don't know you. Did you poison these cookies? Because we think everybody's psycho. Right. I'm, I mean, that's the first thought that went in my head is like, well, you know, well, if my neighbor brings me cookies, I don't know if I'm going to eat them. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, you live in the valley, so I don't blame you. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> and with, you know, with headlines like these, a lot of the times it's easy for us to, you know, think that the whole world is chaotic and it's all mm-hmm. paranoia and, you know, it's it's just the world is negative, negative, end. negative. Yeah. We need to remember I love my the mother, but she things. sees these as signs of the end. Actually, she's they not the only one. The there's there's yeah. millions of people who think that. Um, and somehow they'll convince you that progress and equality is a sign of the end. Is, is a way to ruin the world. Yes, my, pa- yeah. my, my mom loves to say that, uh, you know, marriage equality now is the last step in finding, you know, finding out it's the end of times. Right. I know. So, it's like a whole thing. They're really if that good ends the world, then that. I don't know. I don't know. I, know. About the world I can't. Anymore. I can't. I can't. I don't know. I, I just simply can't. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's Trump. Maybe it's Trump. So, uh, great conversation. Maybe it's Trump. Mm. I'm just saying. I, I'm watching these <laughs> protests go wrong yeah. in his thing, and I'm telling you, it's not all those protests. I love, I love that he uh, b- uh, blamed Bernie Sanders. He was like, well, that's one of Bernie's guys. Oh. He called Bernie Sanders communist. out. Yeah. yeah, and he called him out and said, and this said, is well, your fault. Because yet again, we l- this is the favorite pastime of human beings. It's not take mm-hmm. personal responsibility for it's anything. To, just, yeah, it's to yeah. blame it on someone else. It's easier to blame. It's someone not else. me. It's it's mm-hmm. him. I'm not telling well. you it's not my knee jerk reaction, but I try to stop and go. Okay, I got to take this one. Yeah, it's no <laughs> exactly. fun. Yeah, I had to go to work uh. yesterday on my day off, and it was my fault. Do you think I wanted it to be my fault? I would much have rather been angry. And made it my boss's fault, but it was mine. I did it to myself. Look at you, that's, right? That's but that's good, what we do. Good. I mean, yeah. you have to take trust responsibility. Trust me, there's plenty mm-hmm. wrong on the other side. I'm sure I could find, yeah. but no, just kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> you still want to go there, right? Don't you worry. Yeah. I'll take this corporate. No, but yeah, you know, okay. we don't take personal responsibility in voting. We definitely don't, and we talk about that. We do a lot. Remember, and the caucus in, in Washington is coming up. It is. It's coming up on uh, Saturday, twenty sixth. So please uh, go and find where you are. Register. Caucusing. You can register day of. You can. You can. And if you want to register early, if you're not going to be there, you can do you that. Can you don't do have to it. be there. You can do it physically. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. How would you know this? Um, so, you know, Jonathan, actually, I uh, messaged my uh, Democratic leaders of my district and uh, I asked them if I could help out and be a PCO. And they appointed me as a precinct committee officer of my you precinct, did. Uh, 7031. And I'll be a caucus captain over in my caucus in Brentwood Elementary. So exciting. So, you know what? If you have questions about caucusing and you're not really sure uh, you can. I, I'll let you Facebook me yeah. personally, and I can answer some of your questions exactly. if you have any of those questions. And you know what's it's amazing is you can run for re-election of that same office because Sergey's in can. politics now. Yeah, I, and oh, it makes me happy. There it is. Jonathan it loves this. So I love it in ways I'll, I can't explain. I'll let it, I'll let him do that. Love it in private yeah. moments. <laughs> what's going on? No, I'm very proud of you, and I yeah. think uh, that's an amazing thing to do. And I, I, you, it's inspiring to me, and I really think it's great that you have taken that that sort of personal well, responsibility yeah, yeah. Uh, in politics. And you know, we both know that 
I, at some point I, I do want to be in politics. That's that's a goal right. of mine. So I just thought, you know, I why would, not? Why not start now? Why not? You start know, young? I just want to say it's there are recordings in our past. And I will reiterate right now that um, there is a verbal agreement that when you run for president, uh, okay. I am in your campaign helping. You're my campaign manager. Yes, I'm going to make you I'll make you president. You know what? So. I'll take it. And apparently uh, Houston does graphics for I, that uh, make people win. Yeah. For candidates. He did one for his WSU candidate and they won. And so they won. And I, I think to, it has Houston nothing to do with them no. and everything to do with the amazingness that Houston's graphics See? did. I, hey, Telling and you. then you know what? Kurt can reach out to the Boomer Society right. and the older ages. <laughs> so I got a good team. Between the that, three yeah. of us, you are president tomorrow. <laughs> okay. All right. right. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> next week, we are going to be talking to uh, Michael Mamano, Den of Geeks and True Colors, and then Drag Darling Shirley Vine. Um, that's the week. Is that the following week or is that next week as well? Surely mine. That's that's <gasps> March 20th, yeah. Dying, next dying. Week. First of all, yep. if you haven't had a chance, go check out some of her parodies. She does a parody of Hello by Adele that is wrong it's great. and funny. It's so funny. Also, so. Michael Mamano will get us out of this depression because he is a life coach. And so I love life look coaches. at that. So he's going to make us happy say. and positive. We're going to have to bring Houston back yeah. so he can, <laughs> yeah. he can so, mm. you know, t- take care of that college angst. He's gonna, he's gonna help. That's really it. what the haircut is. Yeah, I'm pretty right. sure hey, that's yeah, what it is. Okay. He yeah. had a Britney Spears moment, and he's like, ah, "I'm cutting uh, it off." I don't know if that's exactly the same thing. Pretty sure it's but not you know at what? all, but it's funny. Hey, we are <laughs> doing funny. lessons in comedy. Remember, extreme is always funny. Okay, yeah. That's Take true. some yeah. truth and then make it not close to the make truth. Make it not truth. You I, sound like Donald. Trump. I was gonna say wow. that is his huh. campaign. You know, that's if this is how theme. you run my campaign, you're not gonna be no. You, no. You'll get to day two and be fine. I love that. Um, uh, as always, we love our listeners. Yeah, I think that's all we have for today. Uh, so we are going to let you go for the week and see you next Sunday.